before we get the podcast going, again, we need to give a shout out to our awesome sponsor, Smokus Focus. Smokus Focus makes uh, custom mag jars. You can see I got the uh, launch pad right here. It's the floaty one. We also have the bigger version with the nice round one, which is awesome. And then what we're doing is we're collaborating together to bring everyone the smaller comets with the custom band logos. These things are awesome. And what Smokus Focus was so generous to do was to uh, offer low minimums at bulk pricing. So it's you're paying for what you would for a whole crate of them, but you can order as little as 20 of them. Um, and they're just such a great deal because the cost of them makes them so you can sell them at a reasonable price for fans, but you're still making a ton of profit. Um, that's the biggest thing is to put money in the band's hands, uh, make all the band's money. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And again, thank you to Smoke is Focus for sponsoring our podcast. Let's get into it. I was debating on doing this topic because we have such a fun interview with Joe Sambo that I didn't want to start it off with like a Debbie Downer type thing. But, um, you know, the longer this case goes on, I might as well just talk about it and get it get it over with. And uh, because it's it's captivated me so much because it's in real time. You know, while I was in Chicago, there was at Riot Fest, there was still hope that Gabby Petito was alive. And, you know, I just, I I, I knew once that uh, cop uh, chess cam video came out that it probably wasn't going to end well because she was so upset. I could, it's like domestic violence 101, and I'm so surprised that the cops didn't handle that better and somehow he became the victim and that, you know, it was just, you could tell as soon as she was saying, oh, well, you know, I was trying to keep it clean. You got it dirty and I got upset and he got upset. She was like blaming herself for why he got upset when really it has nothing to do with the two. But from him constantly physically and mentally abusing her, that's kind of how he twists her thinking to, to be that where it's not his fault. It's he shouldn't get upset because she's doing stuff wrong when she's not doing anything wrong. So for me, that video was just so telling. And to be honest, if it was handled better, maybe wouldn't we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. Uh, when I posted about it on my story, I did get two responses. And they were both kind of negative. And, and these people were, were on their high horses, and I get that. But I, I did want to talk about that, too, because I think... They're right. So <laughs> the two responses that I got, though, were, well, if this is minority or a black girl, we wouldn't even be talking about it. And that's not entirely fair, and let's not lessen how tragic this is. But to you that said that to me, you're right. We probably wouldn't be talking about it, and it wouldn't have as much airplay. And, and that is sad. But I also don't think... One has to do with the other, and I don't think you can just every time, you know, a case gets traction, 
that you can't just say that every time. And, and again, I think this case is different because we're all living it in real time. We were all, and, and it's not just, let's stop making this a white and black thing and about the girl. The reason this was so compelling to me is the actions of the boyfriend. That's what's making this interesting to me. And then the other comment I got, which I thought was silly, because this girl, if you look at her Instagram, the only thing on her Instagram is, oh, look at me, look at me. Uh, she was she responded something like, oh, well, there's bigger problems in this world, you know, than this white girl, you know. And I was just like, Jesus, you know, get off your high horse. But you're also right. There are bigger things in this world if you want to put it in technical terms. But again, that does not lessen the tragedy of the situation and my interest in it. And then my, my, my last response to those people before I move on would be, okay, if you feel that strongly that you're going to say negative shit or things that you think are negative to me, which don't bother me at all, it just, it just shows me the type of person you are. But okay, if you feel so strongly about that, what are you doing? What are you doing to bring light to minorities who are missing? What are you doing to, you know, affect change in the more serious things going on in this world or more important things? What are you doing to, to further those causes? You know, before you just hop on me, you know, from your high horse, let's let's take a step back and be human beings here. Someone lost their lives and there's someone on on the run right now. And the family's not helping. The boyfriend, I mean, again, this there's so many twists and turns in this thing, and I don't even think he's in those glades. Now, this is the FBI, so they must know more than we do, and we they must know that he's actually in there. I'd be very surprised if they're in there just on the word of the parents. It's very, very obvious that between September 1st and the 10th, they were helping him clean up the van, plan things they probably took out money probably did other things you know um i'm surprised he's not found yet but i don't think he's in florida i think he's already hopped the border or gone up to canada or something else because you know he had so much time he could have been out of the country before the 10th before they even reported her missing when the cops came to the parents house all they did was stand there they didn't let him talk to him they didn't see him and they handed him the letter. And that's another thing, like I keep saying, is that, that the Moab police handled it so poorly, we might not even be talking about it right now. But also, when the original police, before the FBI got involved, and that's why the FBI started to get involved, because it, I don't think the police are doing a good job there either, they show up to the house and they get handed a letter. They say they know where he is, but they never saw him once. And now they're in the Everglades based off the parents who obviously are helping him and and people always say, oh, well, if that was you and that was your kid, you'd be helping them too. We need to stop doing that. We need to stop thinking that just because we would do something or just because, you know, we would do whatever means someone else would do it, okay? I I would do the right thing. I wouldn't do anything to incriminate my son, but I would also not prevent people from trying to find their daughter if my son did something horrible. I would just have to live with that. And, and it's a horror. It's probably worse. You know, so would I turn him in? No, but I wouldn't lie. If police came and they said, your son returned home, I would give him the timeline. I would tell him what I know. 
and I and you know, I I wouldn't say that I wouldn't tell him, hey, you know, you need to own up for this, and if you're not willing to own up for this, then you need to go somewhere that I don't know, so I can't lie to the police and get myself in trouble. I I can't say I wouldn't do that. Yeah, this whole thing has been uh, very interesting to me, and uh, I hope the family is able to get justice at this point uh, for uh, Laundry's actions. And I just, again, I think it was so sad to me is that I knew instantly as soon as I saw the cops' video of them in Moab, you know, that this was a domestic violence type of a situation. And I just think they could have handled it better. And, and maybe we wouldn't be talking about it right now. I just want to thank our episode sponsors, Oakfin. What I love about Oakfin and PJ is it's not just about the bottom line. It's not just about the product. It's about giving back, and it's about standing for something. They are part of 1% for the planet, which gives back 1% of all their profits, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but you know when you get multiple companies doing it and it's just kind of a movement, it really makes a big difference. And they've been so kind enough to send all of our uh, guests these uh, amazing sunglasses. And again, what I love about these is they're not cheap knockoffs. They're not just like crappy sunglasses. Like these are really made to last. You can see right here what good quality they are. These are the um, dark, I guess you could call it black, but since it's wood, it kind of has like a little bit of a brown in it too. You know, you can see the wood and they look great. And again, you're getting quality polarized sunglasses for only $80. Thank you so much to Oakfin. Please go to myoakfin.com, use code J2 at checkout, and you can get 15% off your Oakfin orders. But without any further ado, I don't want to make this podcast too much of a Debbie Downer. Uh, so let's get right into this interview I did with Joe Sambo. I can't thank Joe Sambo enough for coming on to the podcast. I think you can tell that we had a blast together. I only wish we had more time, um, but he had to run to start uh, one of his buddies bachelor weekend so i hope you had a great time and i also just got to see him live for the first time um they came around to our area with pacifier and of good nature man what a good show i'm telling you the 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 tours that end up being the best are the ones that probably don't get as much hype aren't on live nation every you know every summer and and stuff like that it just from top to bottom pacifiers new stuff was amazing of good nature always crushes it i love that they've got that southern rock to them i really consider them a southern rock band more than anything or or even more on the folk rock just because they're storytellers um but joe samble holy crap man he came out solo he had his board and he had his um looper and stuff but sounded like a full band the guy is so freaking talented uh, maybe sometime during this episode, I'll uh, snip in some of the live footage I got. But thank you so much to Joe Sambo for coming on the episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. How have you been? I've been super, man, and I was so excited to get you on because I think, you know, what stuck out to me when I first started the management company and I was looking online, I was looking at different artists and things that stuck out. I remember you stuck out to me so hard because you did those, like, eight-part harmony videos or you're playing all the instruments yeah. and stuff like that yeah the acapella videos yeah dude those got a lot of uh a lot of noise on the internet people seem to like those i gotta start making more of those don't i i think they're great they're definitely well, solid full-fledged music videos to job really soon so yeah beef just came out right yes sir 
Kat, I, I've said this before, and I said it in the post about this, that if I was like Disney or if I was like a company or a TV, some, some big studio, <laughs> no I joke, your- dude. Quite I would, the compliment. Yeah, if, no joke. I would give you your own show. I mean, you would be perfect for like a sketch comedy, musical thing, dude. I really feel like you have the talent and ability to do it. And it's such a fun vibe. That's why I love Joe Sambo. I think it's always good to not take yourself so serious all the time. I like to have fun with it. That's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it also comes through in your music, too. You know, the music's fun. The music's very, your melodies are great. You know, like, I don't know, even even just because it's a reggae song doesn't mean I always feel happy about it sometimes. But with your stuff, it's just so solid and consistent. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's a great compliment. Uh, I, cause we were in a rush. I, I was going to say that, you know, just a, a quick shout out, um, some of the other people that, um, you've worked with like the Quins and revelry studios, such, oh, yeah. such pros, such good music. I'm telling you, man, I love the Quins and then, uh, also revelry studios. I, I think they, did they do beef for you? And they do a lot of the studio videos Revel, that you do Revelry studios. So, uh, I produced my, uh, my, the newest grouping of music that I've, I'm getting ready to release and my first record were all recorded at Revelry. Um, Matt Blanchett at Revelry um, did all the audio engineering. Um, I produced it myself. It was mastered at Metronome Studios and Revelry is like an all in-house, like any kind of media, recording, video, um, photography, little everything. They dabble in everything. I mean, I feel like most studios are kind of starting to dabble in everything these days. Yeah. It's awesome because we got Matt to do um, the engineering um, audio wise. Tyler Ayers is a phenomenal director and um, he's doing all the video. Our buddy Kyle does all the um, camera work and Jeremy does all the focus. And we got a really great team at Revelry and the Quins are literally my best friends of all time. Uh, I love those guys to death. Uh, Quincy plays guitar with me still and um, and Dave Petty, the drummer. And yeah, dude, playing with them is always a trip just because they bring their own like rock and roll vibe to my shows. Have you seen the Quins live before? Dude, I mean, they were one of the bands that I would have loved to have worked with. I mean, some bands don't need managers. You know, sometimes it's just not one of those situations. I drove up to PA to see them, dude. It's just, I can't say enough nice things about them and you and and a lot of these other artists that I, I would love to work with and some even unofficially just any help anyone ever needs. But sure. I, I'm I I think if this was the '90s or even 2000s, they would be on MTV and they would be doing stuff. Dude, they're so talented. You know, they're so-, they're so good. And I get to call them my best friends. It's cool. Yeah, not just the best friend, and then you get to bring your buddies along. You know, too, I- to a degree. Like their success is your success. Your success is their success. It's really beautiful. I mean, that from the get go, that was kind of like the uh, conversation we had, and you know. Um, the Quins are their own entity and you know, whatever ends up happening. What I find awesome is that what we do, it's like, you have to put your eggs in as many baskets as you can these days, you know, mm-hmm. thick is like both of our baskets are overflowing with eggs and it's fucking mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to see. Not like, not just the Quins, but revelry, um, what we got going with law records and like the connections we've been able to make. It's just very bountiful and i'm super thankful to like the entire crew that you brought up um it i wouldn't be able to do any of this without um revelry's help the quinn's help um and people digging the tunes it's like it's an awesome thing to see start kick off 
especially now with the help with law and um, um, starting to hit the road and stuff. It's, it's pretty fucking cool. Things are opening back up. Life is good. Yeah. And that's the next thing I was going to say is signing with law. I think when I was uh, talking to you a long time ago, just about how great your videos and stuff, I, I think I might've even said law would be a great place for you. Cause I feel like just the mindset, you know, your attitude, you know, all that stuff, the hard work. Um, I just felt it matched so well. So I, it's just, I, I get so excited when I see other people doing good things and other people doing things that they deserve. And I think you're one of the most deserving people because you work so hard okay. and you are that talented dude. So congratulations on signing with law. And how has that been? How has that been working with them and, and getting stuff out? It's been amazing, man. It's uh, it's been the, the extra help I've needed, not just financially, but just just um, in the networking aspect of this whole mm -hmm. thing, hard to get your name out there. And when you have some support with uh, with cats that are uh, that have been in it for as long as like Pepper and Yasad is super hands on with everything he's been doing the whole time, and the general manager Paul Milbury, like it, like you just said, man, it it, it clicked instantly. Um, I had a lot of creative um, freedom, and they believe in what I'm doing, and and. I mean, really, that that's what it comes down to for me with like, if as long as people believe in what I'm doing, it's like, I know I can deliver. I know my my capabilities. And I know their capabilities and combined. It's like, uh, it's a dream team at this point. And I'm, I'm really happy with what's going on. And uh, nothing but amazing things to say, because like, with labels and like bringing up a record label and this that were like, um, it, it's just, it's like, they're different, man. They care. They give a fuck. And it's, yeah. it's all, I don't know if I can swear, but yeah, you can do whatever you want. They, they give a fuck. And it's, Dude. it's really to know that there's people supporting music like, like that these days. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. I, I tell everyone, you know, if I, I, I'd like to think I had that kind of mindset already, but that's why I have so much respect for law because I really want to do it the quote unquote law way. You know, you support yeah. the artists you back them, you be their support, you encourage them, you give them hard advice if you need to. But, you know, really, it, it's about the support. And gen I think, okay, I, it's genuine. You know, that's what I really sure. vibe off I, of them. And I think or, it's, it's such a great thing. I like to use the word organic. I've, I've kind yes. of lived organically throughout this whole process. Well, not just music, but life in general. Like, it's got to be organic. Things, things need to happen um, in a way that feel right at the right time intuition gut instinct it all kind of goes hand in hand but you know i'm so, lucky dude yeah lucky i wouldn't call it lucky man I, i'm telling you i've been watching it i've been watching it for years now and it's the hard work you put in it's just, you know it's the time and it's the effort and it's a genuine you know being genuine but you talked a little bit about the the creative freedom that law records gives you and, and you know we're talking about how you're such a great you're so great well one i think you have great melodies that's the number one thing that i always hear that because i always love great melodies i pride myself on them <laughs> yeah and um so is this is the style of music and the fun and the the I, I would even almost say it's a likability, you know, it's just like people like you and the music really stands out because it's genuinely you. So as far as the creative freedom, is is that a vibe, that fun vibe and the melody is something that you keep in the back of your head, or is that just something natural that comes out in when you're writing? The second one, man, and you know, it I mean getting thrown into like 
this is the reggae rock scene, you know, um, primarily it's like, that's what I do. But, um, I guess short answer, it, it comes organically and naturally. Um, I'll be driving down the road or riding on my bike in Key West and just a melody will pop into my head and, and I grab my, my iPhone and uh -huh. do a memo. It doesn't even need to have lyrics, just even just the vowels themselves or uh, that go well, that fit well with a melody. Um, I just try to remember it, record it on my voice memo, and then uh, go back to my computer and demo something out. But I don't know, it, it happens naturally. Um, and, and I'm blessed to grow up in a very musical family. So music has been a part of my life, like my entire life. So, um, you know, just my upbringing and um, just being around it, surrounded by it and just always playing and learning more. And it's, it's, uh, it's a fun thing to do. Like I said before, it's gotta be fun. You know, it's it gotta be fun first. Right. And I always have fun first and to cycle back to what you were asking about law, creative freedom. Like they, they, seem to see that and they know they know uh what i'm capable of doing and and um and it's in a way where it's organic and freeing and happy you know so i'm glad people vibe with the tunes and laws giving me the ability to share it with as many people as possible way more than i could have done myself so it's 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 a it's a win-win <laughs> yes it seems like when we law and something that stuck out to me that I think another artist told me and something I've always kept in my mind too. I don't necessarily want to be a stepping stone manager, but I'm more than happy with being some, Hey, as, as long as we're together, we're going to go 110%. But if you ever need, feel like you need to move on or you feel like you need to do some independent work, I'm not going to hold that against you. You know, I'm here as long as we're working together, but if we outgrow each other or, or whatever, or there's just differences, you know, the, to me, it's like, well, let's keep let's keep the lines of communication open. You know, well, let's move it, on. And like and I feel like law has that like we're here to support you. But we totally understand if you also get to a point where you want to move on or do other things. And I think that's a very good way of doing business. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I uh, I actually would like to say that, like what you said, they, they care about the artists, the, like the the uh, the unknown guy who just can't catch a break. They'll, they care about that guy. Mm -hmm. Their, um, their ability to connect people and whatever happens happens, but like, I'm happy now. I like where I'm at. Yep. And if it ends up being longer, it ends up being longer. I, I cherish any relationship I'll make throughout this whole process. And it's like, like I I'm stoked to just continue to meet as many people as possible. And, um, and just, fucking share my music with people you know that's that's really my my goal yeah for, hear the tunes and relate some way you know they're from the heart and i'm glad people are starting to see it more it's it's really cool yeah and i don't bring that up in the saying that you know it's just a short-term thing i i think also i think it was a given that law right like i got into music and i want to help management because i do like independent artists i'm the same way like our our values and what we look for really align now they have a bigger fan base and a bigger audience to do stuff with but as far as like what i think in my head and i would love you know i was talking to vanna about it i'm like i would love to be a manager that can look back and say look at this picture of us 10 years ago 
remember where we were at 10 years ago and where we're at now like that means more to me than anything in the world i would love to be like a peter raspler 311 who's just been with the band for 20 years like and one band like i don't need to manage five to ten bands like i just want to manage one band or maybe even two you know help along smaller bands but continue to manage the one band you know, cause it's just, um, I don't know. I think that's just why I got my business degrees and why I got into business and then also wanted to try and combine it with music because sure. I just feel so passionately about, like you said, I, I think most of the downloaded music or listen to music is independent music. I would say over 60% is actually independent music. And I know it's also the hardest ah, and yeah. at, you know, I'm one of the managers that doesn't just look at the bottom line or care about the spotlight. It's like, I like the growth. I like the organic growth. I like the the business aspects of it and the analytics that you can use in music too. Sure. Like that stuff excites me. You know, that's what gets me yeah. really excited to work with people. But it also is is super hard because just as they're independent, we need, we need those managers, man. Yeah. A lot of our musicians are very sassy and hate analytics. We just want to play our tunes, but you know, I get the analytics. I just don't want to pay attention to them. So it's good to have a man. And I'm glad there's managers that care about that stuff like you, man, because it's an important step. And it's something that um, more artists um, with a lot of talent, you wouldn't believe the amount of talented people I've met just in Key West alone. Oh, yeah. That that it's like there's so much talent out there. And with a little bit of knowledge of those analytics and understanding the market that you're in or the, 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 um, the industry you're in it's just you know uh it, it has to go it it's a business in the end and those analytics those mm-hmm. numbers they're important to know and throughout my process of learning them myself and understanding them more being a little like fuck the industry <laughs> fuck i need to know this stuff to be successful in the industry so years and years of that and then with, again with the help of law um, and the help of whoever I end up working with and understanding this business more, mm-hmm. the more they can help me, the more success all around people will get. And, and I understand in a way different sense now, just because it's more than just me, man. It's, 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 it's people that um, either are working for you, fans that are listening to you. Um, it, it's it, people connect in a way with music. And it's so weird putting um, um, business and music and art together, but mm-hmm. inevitably, in order to, for people to hear those tunes, it, it, there needs to be that that sense of uh, business drive and understanding of the analytics for it to work. And uh, mm-hmm. and young cats listening to the podcast, pay attention to analytics. Don't be ignorant like I was for years. Really. Yeah, but, I mean, I think I think. I, a big part of being a manager too, what I like to do is almost be a mentor and I like to show bands, yeah. okay, this is what's in the contract. This is what you need to look out for. This is where people can take advantage of you. This is where you need to make sure, you know, you guys are on top of, and also planning. I think finances, you, I, I like to think I can do a lot with a little and bands can too. So you might not be a multi-million dollar band and tour the world, but I can, at least if we do it the right way, we set up your finance, we plan for the things that we want to do. You said what you mentioned big time is is um, mentor. Mm-hmm. I have a mentor. His name's Pete Edgerly. He's a friend of mine from New Hampshire, um, and he himself it has started and sold a few businesses. And he was that gap 
of relating business and music together because he's also a musician and and he really helped me gear that sense that mindset of of like needing to know this stuff and having a budget for certain things and creating the llc for yourself and mm -hmm. actually business for myself you know getting an ein number and not use your social security number and make a legitimate business and uh i owe a lot to pete edgerly specifically for helping me um early on before i released the wrong impression album he, he played a huge role in helping with that and uh and his understanding and his his mentorship just from him being my friend i'd go to his high and smoke uh, go to his go to his high and smoke <laughs> You know, we, we would we would do weekly yoga sessions. I was getting in shape with Pete, and he helped awesome. me with business. And uh, and I'm blessed, dude. I'm blessed. It's awesome. Something I want to point out that I think is really relevant, and, and another thing I, I'm pretty proud of is that uh, originally I think there's a lot of great bands in the reggae scene that aren't from California, that aren't from Florida, or aren't from you know a specific beach town. But I think the Mid Atlantic and North you know, actually has a great scene. And just yeah. really quickly, a couple of these, originally the movement, Columbia, South Carolina, but really sure. I think Jason and even maybe uh, uh, the drummer, why am I blanking on his name? Gary, uh, I think they're from Philly. So they they still even have that mid-Atlantic connection, uh, even from being from South Carolina as a band. Stick Figure, obviously Massachusetts, Elevators, Massachusetts, Soja, Virginia, Sensi Trails, North Carolina, Pacifier, uh, Georgia, Ballyhoo from Baltimore, and actually Ted from Pacifier is originally from Maryland. So I feel like there's a lot of really great music in our scene. There's a lot from of places that you wouldn't think. Yeah, dude. It's awesome. It's really cool. And I feel like the way things have adapted with the internet and being able to get a name out there more, there's all these talented cats for like, there's all these West Coast reggae bands and like, early on it was it was it was a different scene whereas now like these smaller spots like you mentioned like virginia and maryland and all, all these spots like there's these people kind of have a voice and have an outlet to share stuff more mm -hmm. than, than the past and and dude there there's a lot of that that cali reggae sound being made in new hampshire me being yeah. alone roots of creation uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned elevators in the South Shore of Massachusetts, like the Plymouth, Massachusetts, man. Like that's the birthplace of America. That's not, that's not so pal, you know, it's like, yeah. it's really cool to see all, all these bands getting a voice finally. And, um, and there's a lot of awesome music to be shared that, that people haven't even heard yet that are going to hear. And it's more likely going to be from the East coast. I think. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's interesting to me is that, I think it has a unique sound. I think because we're not in a beach town, we're not, it's not your pop. normal. Yeah. Like even some rock in there, some pop in there, you know, it's a little bit more mixed than just straight up like jaw reggae or even the white boy yeah. kind of reggae stuff, but. Spirit content and, and people, well, sorry, there's a plane flying over me. Um, but in general, dude, like I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning it because it does deserve more credit. Uh, the East coast is just, um, a great spot. It's a melting pot of different genres that are getting mixed together and uh, creating this cool underground, now pretty independently like popular scene. It's like, I love that kind of shit. 
I was talking to Ted about it and, and I'd really love to be a part of this somehow, you know, the powers that be in the scene, whether it be Dan Sheehan or someone else like that. I really think the reggae scene could pull out, pull off a warp tour style tour and really tour with each other because the bands know each other. We, you know, a lot of them toured together. I just think that's something now, again, you'd have to find clever ways to keep it going. Maybe you would have to expand genres or, you know, make it maybe not as big, but make it like a 14 date tour you know, with all the bands, but I think it's big enough that now I know they have Cali roots every year and there's and a bunch of different festivals, but yeah. I think it's gaining the momentum, especially with some of these bands that are uh, cross genres like dirty heads and other bands like that. It would actually start to get to a point where, you know, this, this could be sustainable for a little bit, but who knows? I mean, the music business changes so much that it, you really don't know. It's quick. It's very quick. Things, things change almost every day, man. And it's what new app is popular. You have to be on it. And, and you, you know, I just started my TikToks, bro. You got to keep up with the times. I think what sticks out about our podcast is that honestly, uh, I, I do talk about music because we have the artists on, but I love talking about things outside of music because I think every artist that comes on podcast gets kind of the same questions or even just touring, you'll get the same questions from fans like, where'd you get your name from? Even though I know it's Joe Sambo, but like other art, you know, whatever the case is. So yeah. I'm, I'm really into aliens and kind of like, I, mm -hmm. I, it's hard for me to live in society because I have a strong belief that humans were meant or are capable of so much more. And we get so caught up in, I mean, even in the music industry, entertainment or whatever, you know, social media, we get so caught up in it that we're not reaching our full potential because, you know, if, if the fact that we only use as humans 10% of our brains, you know, on average, I mean, imagine if we could open up and expand our minds to even like 25% or 30%, which would be double our capability now. And I've always held the, the, the belief. So this kind of gets into like alternate dimensions or what really reality okay. is, you know, I don't think we're a video game and someone's sitting there playing us, but I do think that our perception of reality of the physical reality of the world might not actually be what reality is. It's what our reality in this dimension is. A lot at me there, Joshua. Yeah, sorry about that. That was a lot. But <laughs> no, no. But I but, guess my but. point is uh you know, we're made up of atoms, right? And so we see things based on vibrations and based on light. So what if we could expand our mind to see past just our physical abilities of light, what our eyes are giving us right now, you know, to see other dimensions. <laughs> Have you ever done LSD? <laughs> People. Oh, um, you'll see aliens. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do the, they do the scientific research with DMT where yeah. people report seeing aliens but that's because it expands their mind yeah and and you know it's it, you can go in a lot of different directions with the stuff you brought but but aliens yeah but aliens yeah if, you're, so you're relating like obviously i mean i there's definitely aliens i believe in aliens mm -hmm. so so if you're saying you're saying like aliens are presenting themselves but what if because we only use 10% of our brains, we could use a more percentage to be able to contact aliens like already. Is that what you're trying? 
Yeah, I mean, that's one side of it. Are aliens really aliens, or are they humans or, from the future? Ooh. Ooh. See, that's now, why that, that goes back to the dimension yeah. thing. All right. Are they humans from Earth, though? Like, are you saying, like, these aliens yeah. are just humans from before mm -hmm. they left Earth? Yeah, so you know? the, the theory is that we had a nuclear war, which is why aliens, quote-unquote, are so interested in nukes or army or other stuff sometimes. So humans had a world war that basically devastated the Earth to the point where they either had to go into the water or off of the planet. So now these humans are coming back because they have found a way to quote unquote time travel to our thing, but they can't necessarily give themselves away either. They don't okay. want to disrupt time, but they're coming back, I guess, to warn us somehow, you know, I don't know. I know that sounds super crazy, is, but like, is there fragments or, or like evidence that this like existed, like this crazy quantum physics it's basically based off of quantum physics of okay. of that and that's where kind of, now the way i explained it probably comes off a lot very like tin hatty but if like, you actually what? read the scientific article you know it, it makes sense to me you know for sure um i mentioned earlier i am a high school dropout <laughs> quantum physics what the heck well, yeah, well, I don't know anything about quantum physics, but I just know the, you know, the, the basis around it. But one of the yeah. most interesting stories to come out of this whole alien thing and why they're saying it might be humans from the future is binary code. You know, if you wanted to talk to someone or communicate with aliens or another species, how would you do it? And probably, you know, because you have to translate languages or do a bunch yeah. of other stuff. But what is common within all these things, which is binary code, zeros and ones you know, or even like, you know, dot, 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 you know, that they, type of they stuff. They say that, that whales communicate way better than any species on the planet with their like, Ooh. Ooh. and they, they say that there's a chance if aliens come, they might communicate with whales because that's easier to communicate with the way they communicate than humans are. Very what interesting. They're like, nah, you guys are dumb. And then yeah, we're going to talk to the whales. <laughs> And the whales are like, what up, guys? Hey, oh, that'd be like, horrible. Dude, the ocean could look at the ocean and think that's outer space, dude. Yeah. Talk about aliens already live in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Like they already there's no way that there's not aliens out there because there's already aliens here. If you just look at an stone, you're like, this is an alien. You look at it, you look at it. Oh, there's a lot of cranes and like crazy birds in Florida. You look at a bird and you're like, that's a dinosaur. Like that's <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like that's what it was. It's just a really small, innocent little version of a dinosaur. But <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. You brought up all these cool things. So I'm like, no, dude, this is perfect. There, yeah. There animal, there are aliens in the ocean. So there's definitely aliens out there. But who's to say these aliens? out there aren't communicating with whales instead of us they probably think we're just dummy because we keep killing each other and throwing bombs at each other and that's, a, that's the sad part is that like if they are communicating with whales and they're like so what are humans like whales are like well man they pollute our waters i can't breathe <laughs> like literally earth, look at our ocean <laughs> earth sucks earth sucks man just go away <laughs> I, if they communicated with me i'd be like 
you guys made the right move getting out of here. <laughs> Before I get on to the Jim Pedersen thing with the binary code, do you think Ooh, aliens they- listen to music? Fuck yeah. What kind of music? Death metal. See, I always thought that I, I, if you can see from my background, I definitely like more of the metal and the rock bands and stuff like that as well. But um, I first, I, I get the, the, I have nightmares. I wake up from nightmares that aliens listen to EDM. And I'm like, oh, God, of course they listen to EDM. Have you ever heard of the band Psyopus? Yes. Bro, that's what aliens listen to. Like heavy, crazy, chaotic, like death metal. Like that's what they listen to. So you you got EDM. We got to ask someone else. Like, Yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten a chance to ask Van Alia yet and Ted. <laughs> I had Ted from Pacifier on and he said EDM. He said EDM he said, too. But that's an easy yeah, but that's an easy one to say because you think it's electronic and we think futuristic. But they could listen to folk music. They could love the you know some Arlo <laughs> Guthrie and stuff like that. And they're just back there chilling, talking about coming to the States with drugs, you know. Oh my god, that'd be funny. If they're just listening to like weird operatic tonal music, just like but I love a good rock opera or like a good, I've always loved like heavier tones in the music, but not necessarily a heavy song, you know, good melodies. And so I just love that type of stuff, but my range is very limited. So Jim Pattison, this is one of my favorite alien stories because it's one of the most credible ones, you know, one of the most believable ones, not one of those crazy hat ones. And this guy was a U.S. Navy pilot, I think, or at least was in the Navy at the time. And him and a couple of his crew members went, uh, I guess something crashed and they thought it was whatever. So they went up to see it and they found, you know, a UFO or UAP. And it was, you know, all the things you always hear, like no motor, no sound, all that stuff. He goes up and he noticed there's some symbols on it. So he goes up and he touches it. And after he touches it, he sees like binary code in his mind like just starts flashing. And then he doesn't think anything. It kind of goes away and he doesn't think anything more of it, but then it keeps happening. It keeps happening and happening. And it's like distracting him from what he's doing in real life. So one day, just in one of his diaries after shortly after, maybe like a week after he just writes down all everything he sees in his head, he writes down in a little journal, right? I guess after the journal was done, he puts it away and he, he doesn't touch it for like 20 or 30 years, something like that. And I guess they were getting ready to move or, or do something. And so he brought out all the old stuff. And one of his friends was like, hey, what's this? He's like, oh, it's just an old diary, you know, from, from back in the day. Uh, and the guy picks up and he starts and he's like, what's this? And he sees all the binary code. So here's the crazy part. They had the binary code translated. And this is what it said. And this is the creepy part. And uh, this guy's very credible. Again, he worked in the Navy. He doesn't do interviews. There's only maybe two interviews with him in the last 30 years because to him, he doesn't want people thinking he's crazy, but he knows what he's saying is true. He doesn't want to be in the limelight. He doesn't want to make money off of it. He's very reclusive. He just likes to spend time with his family. So the first set said exploration of humanity. The second part said continuous for planetary advance. Eyes of your eyes, origin year 8100. So there's like so many different parts to just those four phrases that you could take from, right? Like, 
saying that like our origin years as humans or maybe when aliens started to switch our dna or whatever like the real conscious human started in 8100 so that's what i get from it that's I, 8100 yeah 8100 so i guess that would be when did was christ born at like zero you know so when they say 1200 bc so this was even further back than 1200 bc Before. which is like yeah yeah i think i think once you get past jesus it's like the lower it goes, the farther away. And then once you get past Jesus towards us, it, the higher up it goes is, you know, the farther away, it's like the opposite. So eyes of your eyes, which to me goes back to the whole, maybe this is humans, like eyes of your eyes, or we're created within an alien image, you know, continuous for planetary advance. So that makes me feel like maybe aliens or another human species came to earth and started mixing DNA in order to continue their species because something similar happened to them on their planet. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, dude, I it's... Think, oh, so you're saying, all right, you believe the, the eye of eyes, like that, so it relates to a human. What, what was, so you're saying that they screwed this up on a different planet, came to Earth to give us their DNA. Mm-hmm. Now, those Earth people have alien DNA, and they're waiting for us to figure something out. No, we are the aliens. We are the people. Like in 8100, that's when they mixed their DNA with our DNA. And then over time, evolution has caused us to be more conscious-minded thinking people. But also because we have free will, it also causes us not to use everything that we were given. Ooh. You know? I, dude, I, I wish we had more time to prep because I just watched this thing <laughs> on Prime and it was blowing my mind. I'm going to send it to you later. I'll send you the title. Of it, right, you got, you got to go watch it. It's crazy. But not only did they have this on there, they also, the binary code spelled out locations, longitude, longitude and latitude. And they went to the temple of Apollo. Exactly. Oh, it went to, friggin- huh? Those weird is, uh, is it those weird spheres? I got to make this thing larger. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see what the you're The Temple saying. of Apollo? Yeah, so the, yeah. the binary code, it, it pointed to Temple of Apollo, Pyramids of Giza, obviously, um, the Nazca Lines, which everyone knows, and, uh, like, Sedona, Arizona, for some reason. Like, that's very, like, important oh. to it. And then, obviously, like, I forget what this is called, but the ones with all the stones, the... Uh, Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. <laughs> the one with all the stones. What was that called? <laughs> Stonehenge. So, dude, that's like pretty much like what it's saying. And I just think that whole that whole story is just crazy to me because it just opened my mind. And then I saw how people can actually kids. It's more specifically kids because here's the theory. They say that from ages one to four, kids are using the fullest of their brain capacity at that time, right? Uh, obviously, it's not fully developed, but they can use all parts of their brain. But from ages four to about 17, your brain slowly starts to use less and less of its brain till it's about 10% because, and this is the theory, is that people, kids are start getting told no at age four. So they're like, you know, and so instead of thinking outside the box and expanding and questioning, they're always just falling in line with what they're told. So they think that's what's a part of hindering the human mind through aliens isn't that crazy it makes That's sense crazy. right 
does make sense. It makes more sense than other things I've heard. That's for sure. I agree, man. Did you see my dog, Pete? I did see a tail wag in the background. Okay. I was just relating what I, what I was saying. I was like, I look at my dog, Pete, sometimes, and he looks like an alien. He looks nothing like, you know? And then I look at that, like, there's, there's iguanas here, and iguana just ran in the back of my, my backyard here. And uh, he's an alien. He's an iguana. Yeah. Weird-looking fucking thing, dude. I got oh, <laughs> I got two quick things and then we're going to get you out of here. Cause I know you got to go uh, do some stuff and uh, have a great weekend with your buddies. Yes, sir. So weekend in Key West. Let's woo! go safely. <laughs> safely. Of course. Um, so uh, along with the kind of Egypt thing, cause we were talking about at Cairo, they recently took a bunch of uh, Pharaohs and mummies in their tombs and then did a big parade in it with it in Cairo. So, you know, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it does. But but my question is, how many curses were, were like, released? Is <laughs> like, how many people? They took it out of the tomb? Yeah, dude. They're like, look, this is one of them. It says Queen Ty on it. And they put the mummy in on that little parade thing. That's crazy. Dude, they dude, had to have released so many curses on people. It could have released curses on people. I would have went to that and see it and i even if it would take a curse i would want to go see that because it's epic they pulled they pulled a friggin' mummy out of a tomb in egypt and danced around in town with it that's epic yeah basically i mean some of these pictures are crazy look at this oh let me get closer that's epic dude i mean all of those are mummies all those little cars are mummies and it's just lit up that's crazy but they're all probably screwed now. Like they're gonna they die of some disease. Cairo, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And then another thing with uh kind of templeish and, and on theme is Legends of the Hidden Temples coming back. I saw that. I don't really watch much TV anymore, but I heard Legends of the Hidden Temple was coming back. That was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. So that's stoked as fuck. That's cool. So if we had more time, I would do it on air. But what I've been doing is I've been signing up with every single guest to be contestants on there because my thought process is the more people that I try and sign up with teams with, the more chances I have to get on it. So we yeah. can't do it. We can't do it live now, but off air at some point, let's sign up together as a, as a musical team and okay. fucking go can, do it. Can we, can we be the motherfucking golden monkeys? I don't know if they, I think they might assign it. I think you can put what you would like to be. Oh man, I'm going to be a golden monkey. We got to go for the golden monkeys. If I'm going to be on your team, we got to be the golden monkeys. 100%, dude. 100%. For sure. And it's for adults. They said they expanded it. So it's bigger. It's like more adult rated. So it's not just like the three monkeys. I bet you they're going to have some scary ass people pop out at us. You remember Guts? Yeah, all that. I wanted to do all of them. The crag, man. I definitely think Legends was was tops for me. Legends was definitely. Of wanting to be on yeah, it. Guts was epic, but Legends stumps Guts. I really want a piece of the aggro crag, but only if I can win it. I'd love to do the aggro crag. But only if I can win it. Like, I don't want to just buy one. Because they have some on eBay for like $1,000. Like, real ones. We should get one. 
Let's try and earn one. Let's try and go on a hidden temple. What do you get from there? Was it the medal or do you get like a trophy? I don't know. If there's a cash prize, I say we give up the cash prize and be like, how about instead of a cash prize, you get us the aggro crag? <laughs> that's perfect. And they're just like, but that's guts. And we'll be like, yup. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's give us a crag because we won Legends of the Hidden Temple. And we, we, we need to practice for the crag when we go for guts 2022. We'll be like, so you have the crag set up in the other room, right? We can just go play on it real quick, right? <laughs> oh, man. That would be a hell of a thing if you had kids. 90s. His, his lifelong dream is to get his own ag and have his kids play on the aggro crag. And he could sit there and just be like, yes, yes. success. I think they were trying to go for contestants that were on it also, like in the past, and then recreate the teams and bring them back. Oh, that would be that'd, interesting. That'd be cool. But, we but should, fuck that. I want to play. We're going to play. All right, buddy. I'd sign up. Yo, thank you so much for coming on, man. We're going to sign up for Legends of the Hidden Temple. Uh, congratulations on everything you're doing with Law Records and your music, man. I know it's just the beginning. And anytime you want to come back on, please come back on. I appreciate it, Josh. You're the man. It was great to finally actually talk to you, man. Yeah. We've uh, corresponded for the last couple of years. It's really cool to finally be on it, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely keep it up, man. Congratulations and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too, man. Peace. And there we go. Thank you again to Joe Sambo for uh, coming on the podcast and hanging out. And uh, again, it was such a good time hanging out with him. Such big smiles and big hugs and and again, pacifier and of good nature were amazing too. So it was really great to be actually to do the podcast and actually get to hang out with him. So couldn't have asked for a better guest. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. We have a lot more to come. I apologize for these wardrobe changes. I'm trying to catch up on all these episodes. You can tell the Vanalia one had like, I was in like three different shirts because I had to film three different things just to catch up and edit the episode. Um, I'm trying to keep it to just two. And then eventually when I catch up on this, I'm just going to do the intro, the outro on the same day that I have the guest on. And that way we can get into other topics like aliens and stuff without freaking out the guests and uh, everything's symmetrical. So just bear with me as far as production, the look, all that stuff. Um, you know, again, this is a solo job here. You know, I I do the guests, I do the topics, I do everything, and so it can get uh, really difficult. But I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you in the next episode.